Let's talk about football. It's time for the Donald Fans Radio Podcast. Welcome to another Dalor Fans Radio podcast. I'm Stuart Armstrong and we're here to wrap up the end of the season. I'm joined here at our friends with our friends at the forum by uh, regular podcast uh, specialist Craig Stoddart from the Northern Echo. Even specialist, is that my title? Is it? I think you're on fifth in a row now, that makes you a specialist in my book. Uh, second specialist, Michael Price. Good evening. Uh, debutant, we always like to have a debutant. Uh, you'll usually hear him at our away game commentaries around the country, Mike Cansfield. Evening, Mike. Evening, Stuart. And also, finally, last but not least, by the maestro, Kevin Luff. <laughs> Evening, how are you? Yeah, we're good, thanks. Looking forward to this. And uh, isn't it nice to be able to sit down without the hurly-burly of the season going on around us and have the opportunity to look back at what's been, in the end, I think quite a positive season, hasn't it, really, when all's said and done? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a long season, but finally it's done and dusted. Finally it's done roller coaster dusted. ride that we're all glad to be, uh, to be off of, I think. Exactly. For a couple of months. Exactly. A word for our our friends and I was almost going to say partners there at the Forum Music Centre here, who are always good to us. And uh, I promised them that I'd plug some of the bands that they've got coming up here. And there's always a chance with these podcasts that people only listen to the first sixty seconds and never listen to any more of it. So I better get the plug in first. So a couple of gigs coming up here. The Marley Experience Friday the eighteenth of May looks wonderful. And also, there's a Roxy Music tribute band coming on the Saturday. And I have to mention that because they are good to us. They give us all of this facility for nothing. And we're dead grateful to them. And they're a not-for-profit in the town. So if you've got some spare time, as many people will have now that the football season's over, wander down to the forum, take a look on the website or the Facebook page at what they've got on, come down and support uh, a venture that's very good to us as, as Darlow Fans Radio and Darlow Fans. So, chaps, season's over. Anything, uh, anything interesting been happening since we were last here in your lives? Uh, I've been seen Noel Gallagher twice. Twice? Yeah, twice in four days. It was almost three times in five days, but I turned oh, down damn. tickets for Newcastle. So I went to see him in Manchester on Friday, Leeds on Monday, which was a surprise birthday present. Which, and now, now that I got the the tickets off my girlfriend that explained why she'd been so enthusiastic for me to sell the Manchester tickets previously <laughs> I couldn't because I, I considered sell, selling them and, and she really wanted me to sell them and I was, I was a bit surprised because you know she quite likes them and, and you know we, we went to Manchester Friday and then come Monday on my birthday when she gave me the tickets that's when the penny dropped oh that's why you wanted me <laughs> alright okay are we allowed to tell the listeners how old you are uh, go on Go on. <laughs> yeah. 40, I believe. Yeah, the big four, the big four zero. But I've always been a miserable uh, person. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, true. That's true. It, it makes sense to me to be this age. I, I'm. It's more in keeping with my views in, of, the, of the world. Really. I think so, the misery stay consistent. It's the sudden self-awareness. That, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the side of maturity, I think. Good, good. Glad to hear. Anybody else? Anything interesting? I went to see Accrington Stanley when they uh, 
promotion. They've done well, haven't they? Sur- Good night. It was surreal because the, their average gate is not too dissimilar from our own, and yet they've just got promotion into the League One. It's and their ground is tiny, although it's very Feetums esque. But it's uh, yeah, it's proper bizarre. But it's nice to see a, a normal club actually doing well. They were the, they got the smallest budget in that division by some considerable margin. Uh, I think. How, how have they done that? How have they? I mean, is, is there a backer putting money into the Mossman? What's? I, I I don't know. But I was just about to mention their chairman. I honestly I can't remember who he is on Twitter. But if you if you find him on Twitter, yeah, he's, he's well worth it. a follow because yeah. he he doesn't hold back on oh, some of his yeah. comments it's, about the apologies. He's, he's the burger guy, isn't he? That uh, is that who is that who he is? Yeah, yeah. He was acting suddenly, wasn't it? Like yeah, yeah. The players are get taken for burgers every time they win, oh, and it right. had to be yes. like the football league oh, said, yeah. "Oh yeah, we've got a contract that it's a win bonus or something." <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think they've been bankrolled. That's for sure. But it's definitely not the case. They, I think geography. Because I saw Crew earlier in the year, and I, th- I think they just get fallout from the Uniteds and Liverpools of this world, and all those players just sort of—it's a football, it's it's a full-time job. Yeah. So they go there. Yeah. There, you got Billy Keys, uh, is the only player I've ever heard of. The rest of them are sort of uh, young lads, but they've got a good manager, good manager, good formation. The way that they got it moving. Absolutely, fantastic. Very good. Maybe that'll be a good rehearsal for a promotion party next year, mate. You'll know all the songs <laughs> to sing then. Yeah, it's weird being at someone else's promotion, it has to be said. Yeah, yeah. That is a bizarre experience. You're just sat there. Okay. You kind of <laughs> want to join in, but it's like, hang on. Yeah. Good. I don't know the Accrington Stanley songs very well. No, and peak Eurovision song contest time for you, oh, right? Yeah, Exciting yeah, time yeah. in the Price household. It's, it's the about. most wonderful week of the year. Yeah, and who's your money on? Who do you think's um, going to win? If I had to put money on it, I'd say Israel because their song is just completely ridiculous and contains the lyric, I'm taking my Pikachu home, which automatically means, you know, anyone who knows me, bit of a Pokemon fan, that's got to put it up at the top of the list. But I think think Finland or Cyprus. I haven't heard Australia's song. I usually manage to hear most of the songs by this point, but I'm (laughs) I'm way behind. Good. Well, well, Australia in the Europe. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be experts. We'll be experts on Europe. Uh, I'll, so I'll anyway. explain the rules to you later, Kev. It's, it's too it's complicated right. for it's a right. football you, podcast. You, 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 you can keep them. It's, it's <laughs> a shame the season ends so soon because I could have played them. I could play them. <laughs> and I would do that. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. Kev, you must have loads of spare time on your hands. Have this time? Do you know what? The last couple of weeks since the season has finished, I've done absolutely nothing, and it's been wonderful. Although on Saturday evening, I am off to watch middle first playoff semi-final against Aston Villa so very good be quite interesting good and you won't need to video it presumably you can just nope, watch it I'll be just able to watch it drink beer beforehand and then scurry home afterwards yeah oh, very good very good very good we've had a, we've had a lot of badminton in our house our Ollie's got quite good at badminton so we've been at the national final so I missed Stockport away I had a slight moral dilemma about what I was going to do if there's been anything riding on that game and working out whether I could get from one to the other he was playing down in Milton Keynes but they, they did well down there so I've, I've become a badminton aficionado now and I almost know the rules but I think I'll save the rest of it for next year how has he got so good at badminton then is he, is he, is jeans. Good it's jeans no it's not that's a joke his mum was a good player and his grandfather was a good player I've never played. I don't even know which end of it to hold, to be honest. Last time I played badminton, the shuttlecock was heading towards my head. And I took a wild swing and I missed it entirely. It landed right in my eye. <laughs> never, never played since. Never played since. We'll have to see if we can get you a helmet for the next time. At my age, I, think I just need to have a good sit. Sit yeah. down. Yeah. So I've got to sit down. I'll stay away from sports now. Yeah, no gigs or <laughs> football matches in my house at the moment, but uh, possible new sport on the horizon. My daughter decided last night she wants to take up cricket. So 
Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Darling so, Cricket so Club, very week. good. Uh, it won't be Darling Cricket Club, unfortunately, oh, okay. because she already does something on the Friday night. They have that, but um, yeah, what's a bit? I always say about kids, isn't it more of a social life than the parents? But definitely, definitely. You see, now the season's finished, we've got all these interesting things happening in our mm. life. Normally, that only takes about two minutes, doesn't it? What you've been doing? I've been at the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll uh, before we go on any further, we got we 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 should tidy up um, the final game of the season. Stockport away. A creditable 1-1 draw. Mike Cansfield was joined on commentary by a, 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 like the red arrows of uh, Darlington players coming to join on, on commentary. And let's have a listen to uh, to the goals from Stockport 1, Darlington 1 on the last game of the season. Oh, Sires with the ball and he plays it for Stephen Thompson. He's free. Can he turn? He shoots and he scores! Yeah. Stephen Thompson! Stephen Thompson! Free in space, found on the edge of the box, turns on his left Pete foot. Pete going. <laughs> And that's a great goal there, and there's a man down for Stockport. Here we go now, Stockport breaking chance. Oh, and it's a great goal there. Goal by uh, Dan Cowan for the right back. Just comes and blasts it in the edge of the box. The great strike, wasn't it, uh, Joe? Yeah. Make make it Stockport one, Darlington one. So as we said, a creditable one-all draw at Edgeley Park. Six or seven thousand there, Mike. And uh, the key question is, of the Darlington players that joined you on commentary, who do we need to be most frightened of in the commentary box for next season? Well, that is a that is a tough one to call. Uh, it was impressive with the six thousand there. Uh, Tommy Wright did have to give them a, a bit of a shove to get them to come up. But uh, with the first half of, of Gillies and Galbraith and the second half of Trotman and Joe Wheatley, bless him, it did remind me that I'm very old, as <laughs> they're all <laughs> kids, basically. But uh, I think Josh Gillies, the quiet man, he actually, uh, he was very good, very good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he had uh, plenty to say. He was very, very inform- informative. Yeah. Stockport v Darlington, crowd of 6,000. That doesn't sound like a game that takes place in the seventh tier, does it? No. Not that probably half the Darlington fans remember, because they seem to be well and truly happy, regardless <laughs> from what we saw from the other side of the stand. But yeah, so... But no, but good, good, and nice, nice. Of the lads to come and join you in the commentary box as well, and they're always welcome. Well, you know, we we don't mind being out of a job every now and again. As Kev said earlier, it gives us the chance to sit and have a beer and watch the match maybe sometimes. So if if you're listening and you want to join, uh, always always very welcome. And a decent result as well against yeah. Stockport, who ultimately got in the playoffs as well. Thompson scored the first goal, didn't he? Or what did Josh Gillies describe him as? The Peter Lee Paul Gascoigne. The Peter Lee Gazer, I think, or something like that, wasn't it? But the pitch was terrible. It was it was all it was all very bubbly, so that you, there wasn't a lot of football to be played. But we managed to get ahead. But it, it was a, just a, one of those non-event games. And Stockport were resting players, and yeah, Stockport rested seven, I think. Yeah. And we rest, we made changes as well. Downton, we neutral here normally. Downton made changes as well. North. One of the most noteworthy points for me was the referee completely ruined the debuts of is it Brandon? Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely, yes. He he played literally no injury time. He blew up on ninety minutes, which is unusual to happen. But obviously, he thought last game of the season, what's the point? It's one all. This will do for me. Completely ignoring the fact that thirty seconds earlier, Brad Monker and Jamie, I think is it Jamie O'Brien, I yeah. think, came off the yeah. bench. So there's a bit of a disappointment for them. I mean, yeah. it came, there was, I think I think there was a throw in. Substitutions were made and a goal kick, I think, and yeah, and that was it. Thank you and good night. But um, I think there were six substitutions in that day. I must have been. Was there? That, I, th- I think so. Anyway, I, I so might what? be wrong, but they say thirty seconds for each sub, don't they? So you yeah, know, yeah, that, that was harsh for them too. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit harsh. But, but as a game, 
waste of time. Not a waste of time, but you know. No I thought it was alright, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was yeah. too bad. I thought first 10, 15 minutes we got a, a bit of a going over by them. I thought they seemed quite eager guys early yeah. on that I thought we settled down afterwards and we did alright. Yeah. We were extant, I thought, considering how many changes we had to make as well. But it just made a change for us to go into the last game of the season with nothing yeah. riding on it. So it's nothing. very strange, isn't it? Yeah, really? the last few years we're either getting promoted, relegated, or it's, or it's at Wembley, mm. or it's administration, or there's something going back 10 years or so, it's been like that. Yeah. And, uh, so it was quite unusual just to go there and not really care. <laughs> it was, uh, unless somebody's winding me up, I think Jamie O'Brien, two nights later, refereed the under-13s match I was at, so I think he's a referee as well, unless somebody's totally winding me up on that one, but I was given on good authority that the Tuesday after that debut, he, he refereed a, a under-13s. I'll have, someone will have to let me know whether that's true or not. I think Scott Thornby was saying he's a friend of his son, I think, something like that. Is, that, is he mixing them circles, does he? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. But I know Brad Monker, his dad is Warren Monker, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. a long time, lifelong Downton fan, so that must be nice for him to see his son on the pitch for... Five seconds. <laughs> still, it was. You know, I'm sure he hopes his son will do. You know, play more games for, for his team. That would, it would be nice for him. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's a bit faster than his dad. <laughs> his dad was very good in the centre circle, wasn't he? He was. He, he was. He, he ran, listened to this. He'll kill us. He, he ran the centre circle. He, yeah. yeah. If that, if, not the pitch. The centre circle. I know. If you're listening, was I'm dead sorry. <laughs> um, maybe just a quick shout out to Tim as well, Tim Hickman. Um, obviously, the Stockport game was the culmination of his. Little adventure um, to get through that turnstile, which he did. Um, I guess he's a celebrity. For, he's our celebrity fan now, isn't he? He's uh, he's been all over the media. He, he's so, up there with Vic Reeves as yeah. famous Darlington person now, isn't he? <laughs> no, but well, well done, Tim. That was a great achievement, and I, I had a, I don't know, I almost had a little tear in my eye when I saw that. It was good, wasn't it, to see how everyone reacted when he, when he got through there. So well done to him. That's right. Um, thinking, thinking then through the season. I mean, that wrapped up a season which. I don't know whether you could almost split it in three three parts almost, yeah. but it felt like that, didn't it? Yeah. There was the well, there was the the Martin Gray era at the beginning, which started off brightly and then quickly tailspun away in front of our very eyes, and then we had Tommy coming in and not able to get the start that he wanted in that middle section, and then a really promising, bright last third. That's how I would summarise it. So if you think back about how you would wrap up the season, how, how do you summarise it? What's well, the, what should the re- report card say? Do you, do you know what? I, I'm going to stick my neck out of the line and say it largely positive. I think, to be honest with you, I think you can make a, a case for it being pretty positive because, like you said, um, the Martin Gray era sort of faded away a little bit. Uh, Tommy's come in and yes, it did take him time to get the results in, but do you know what? Considering he had a, a squad bereft of any real confidence I think then uh, you had a squad which had had its focal point taken away I thought in Mark Peck I thought the, the squad had clearly been built around him um, and when you take you know your linchpin out the, out the team then it becomes very hard to change things around but he did he changed it around eventually and I think now we look like a more dynamic strong uh, quicker side in my opinion and you know we've we chopped a a big chunk out of the wage budget as well, probably because I think that's the other other side of things as well. Tommy had his wage budget reduced quite substantially, so I think when you take all of the, all of that into consideration and the fact that he's he signed three or four players who you think, you know what, another another full season at the club, polishing them a little bit more, like to Josh Eaton, Ben O'Hanlon, you know, I, I'd say largely positive. Agree with that? Any yeah, any go along with that. Um, I think the, the word I keep using 
Um, I'm going to use it one more time. At least his roller coaster. You know, it, it all started so well. Three wins on the bounce, a very credible draw at York City at the beginning of the season, and then, you know, that's the top of the hill, and then you're downhill from there, isn't it? Culminating in, you know, there's the South Shields FA Cup tie, um, and Martin leaving, and then as Kev says, you know. Tommy comes in, players are bereft of confidence, players are leaving, you know, good players, you're Adam Bartlett, David Ferguson, Mark Beck, um, who'd all sort of had their impact on the club and, and Tommy's got to replace these players with decent replacements on less money than the previous manager had and knowing that this season he's going to have a lower budget as well and, you know, I think, you know, probably the South Shields game or the run we went on that saw us drop right into the relegation zone. The, the club almost hits rock bottom at that point, especially when you look at the last five years, the the successes we've had. And um, and then, you know, one Stephen Thompson hat-trick at Leamington later, who knows how different the season could have panned out if that hadn't, if he hadn't pulled that off. Mm. But from there, it's all uphill and things not only started to go right on the pitch, but, you know, everything's going right off it because... At one point, we're in the relegation zone, and David Johnston sat in the Dolphin Centre talking about sort of the the debt profile of the club and, and launching initiatives to try and help that get that paid off. And then we end the season with, you know, a check nobody would have seen coming from the restage celebration. We raise crazy amounts of money through boost the budget. We finish, you know, compared to where we were sort of around Christmas time, in a pretty good position. And you know, looking looking at the two or three games and thinking, well, if only we'd won those, we'd have been in the playoffs. And I think, yeah, we have certainly ended the season on a high, but it's it's been a roller coaster ride to get there. And I I wasn't sure I'd be looking forward to next season two or three months ago, but now I just can't wait for August. Yeah. Well, was your, you, you mentioned a couple of games there, in particular, and one of the things that we said we might think through was low points and and, and high points, Mike. So to to wrap up that summary that you just gave, what would you? What would your low point have been and, and what was the, the highlight moment for you through the season? Um, my highlight was a game that uh, we covered. I covered for the for DFR. It was the game against Blythe. We won 3-0. It now. Tries to tackle well from Reed, and now Thompson with it. Cheeky ball through and Stice is in and that's got to be a penalty, surely. Yes, it is. Penalty all day long. Reese Stice brought down there. He's the last man as well, but we've got this double jeopardy in, haven't we? And that's a yellow card for Ryan Hutchinson. Stephen Thompson with the spot kick then. And it's in! 1-0 Darlow, Stephen Thompson again. Turnbull has uh, a chance to deliver the ball into the box here. In swinging, it's 1-2 attack. It's a blithe head first to it. Caton's picked up the ball just on the corner of the box. Tries to move his feet to get the cross. Pulls it all the way across. Reece Stice, back of the net. Reece Stice, darling, two blithe Spartans, nil. Great work from James Caton, picking up the loose ball on the left. Gets to the byline, drills it back across. And no sooner has Stephen Thompson gone clear as our leading scorer in the league this season than Reece Dice says, you know what, I want seven as well. Darlow coming forward again with O'Hanlon, O'Hanlon to Wheatley, Wheatley bringing it forward. Flips it out to the right-hand side for Stephen Thompson, he's got a little bit of time here. Dinked into the area, Science 3-0! Bullet header, Science from close range, great cross from Thompson who was in acres of space. Joe Wheatley found him with a great pass, Darlington three, blind Spartans nil. Um, I think I did something like 15, 16 games uh, commentating this season and that was the best all-round team performance I can remember seeing seeing for myself as putting in. Um, obviously, you look at games like North Ferriby 6-0, it's always good to get a hatful of goals, but the circumstances surrounding that game are very different. You play against a side like North Ferriby who were miles adrift at the bottom, you would expect a big result against them. 
the weather was the highlight of that game, if anything. But the Blythe game, I think we played against a team at that point who were on decent form. I mean, obviously they went on to lose seven in a row at one point, seven or eight in a row. But we were playing a team at that point who were who were up there, who were playing pretty well. We were just starting to turn the corner and we absorbed all they had to offer and we went up the other end, scored three goals. And that was the, I think that was the best performance I witnessed with my own eyes of the season. Um, low point is the one I mentioned when I was doing the summing up. I was sat... Um, I was sat down on the feet of the development, uh, having a meal with my missus and the kids, listening to the South Shields game in one ear, while listening to my family with the others. <laughs> they'll really enjoy my divided attention and just gradually sinking lower and lower into the table as I listened to every minute of that game. And it was just, it just sounded like a completely awful performance. And I mean, I know cup runs have become almost an in-joke at the moment or a running joke around the club but we never seem to have them but that game just I mean again I wasn't there but certainly it sounded like and social media made it sound like we just we may as well have not bothered um, and I came away from that game just thinking is this, this is it, it can't get any worse than this um, you know I, I'd rather think how bad I'd have felt if I'd actually seen it well, listening to it was I, I, I did think South Shields that was initially my thought as well and I thought well probably a few other people have had that so I kind of searched through the rest of the fixtures and uh, <laughs> in the end I kind of settled on Gainsborough Trinity away which I thought was an absolutely awful performance um, and I, I felt well, we, we got beat 3-1 that day and I, it was such a bad performance that day and um I felt when we, you know, the full time whistle had blown on that one. I thought we're a club who's headed out of this league. Well, uh, I spoke to Tommy since about that. He calls it disgusting. That, that performance, he called it disgusting. Yeah. And you know, he knows himself. It was like you say, it probably, probably was it a low point. Wasn't that one? Thompson was uh, played wing back. I think three, five, two. And he um, was wing, I think he was wing, wing back. Yeah, that day, wasn't something he? like that. I think we yeah. were we were two 0 down. I think Reece Stage pulled one back, and then right. almost, almost yeah. immediately did they go and get the third one. I'm not entirely sure I was Christmas shopping in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that that so, was a good place to be. So by way of balance then, Gainsborough Trinity low, low light, what was the highlight, Kev, for uh, you? Probably what Mike said, either the Blythe game or perhaps the Kidderminster game at home. Um, I thought the Kidderminster game was pretty good. It had a late winner as well, if I, if I recall correctly. And yeah. Everybody likes a late winner, don't they? Yeah, yeah. and we score it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mike most from Mike Cansfield that is two mics in here. Yeah, sure that's right, yeah. about the right one. Most three. some. Hey, Mike microphone. The, uh... That was too clever for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you beat me there, hands down. Very good. I like that. So most of the games that you see through the lens of the the visiting fan, right? So you do most yes. of the away games, which gives you a different perspective to to many of us. Here, what what did you give some thoughts to your low point and high point of, of the season, Mike? Yeah, well, uh, I think one of the the low point for me was when you were with me, not, not the first <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> but but when, when we covered the Chorley game, oh, because there just seemed to be a point where we were. Well, I think we played a few games. It may have been off for a bank holiday or something, and then we we looked really leggy and tired, and then we just looked like we'd really run out of ideas. Yeah. And we came up against Nick Horton, whatever his name yeah. was, yeah. Uh, Chorley, and we just looked like we were just lambs to the slaughter. Yeah. As it as it literally turned out, four, yeah. it was four one, yeah. and they just ripped us apart at will, and that was quite miserable. Um, 
and the other one was Curzon. Yeah. Gray's last game. We just, I just didn't like the way that we just, we just were so one-dimensional. And when they got their goal, it just seemed like we should have just got a point and gone home. And it just felt that just felt there's something not right going on there. And as it turned out to be, because he was gone within 48 hours afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought the Curzon game seemed a bit uh, depressing. Uh, but well, I'll cheer us up. <laughs> but, it's a good way to do the bad bit and then go to the good bit. Then the good bit was well, the Leamington game. I suppose was, I mean, as much as it's a, it makes Blackwell Meadows look like a proper football ground in comparison. No offence to Blackwell Meadows, but Leamington's ground is middle of nowhere and it's a stand and a, a, a two. But uh, the game, there, there'd been a few games where they were playing, and it, it reminds me being up, being the old man here. Is, uh, is Paul Futcher's reign where he was seven games in charge and there was bits where they were kind of playing football and trying to get somewhere but it just wasn't coming off and Tommy's beginning just had a feel like that we were Quite doing bits it, patches yeah. of alright but just couldn't get it together to win the game but then Leamington happened the defender got ahead to it so it's a Darlow throw in Trotman's going to take it halfway inside their half and they get a good little one-two will Trotman get to it he does Plays it infield to the edge of the box. There's Steich, and we've got a penalty. Yeah. Referee's given the penalty. Stephen Thompson, head down, keepers ready. Referee blows. Here we go. Blast yeah. into the basket and yeah. net. Straight down Woo. the middle to make it Leamington nil, Darlington one. Good long ball forward from Leamington. Darlington winning the headers, but not getting it clear. And it's calling for the number 11. Oh, and just oh, given yeah. a penalty away. Obeng just brought down there. A cheap penalty to give away. Gittins is going to take the penalty. Come on, Pears. Here we go. And he gives and he shoots. Oh, and Pears got his right hand to it. But it's still had enough power on it to go into the net. So that makes it Leamington 1, Darlington 1. Right, so it's a corner for Leamington on the Darlington right-hand side. We again, we can't see. It's gone long. It's got the far post. And they get a head on it. And the mar left is marker. And it's the number 10, Edwards. Gary Brown's... Uh, Rival from the first half who rises and gets a good solid contact and puts the ball into the net to make it Leamington 2, Darlington 1. Plays the ball to Stice, moves it to Thompson. Thompson's going to try and hit that byline. He's cut inside and he's cut inside, he shoots! Yes! And it's a goal for Stephen Thompson! Oh, the diving head to clear it. Comes back to Caton. Caton's whizzing on the ball, he gets a crossing again, low and hard. Comes all the way to Pitt. Stephen Thompson! Yeah! And it's a goal! Stephen Thompson scores for Darlington! The cross comes in, he pulls, he pulls the cross back. Get in there! Stephen Thompson's way in there and he smashes it into the corner of the net to make it Darlington 2, Darlington 3. It was to and fro in, but it felt like we were always going to be in it and we seemed to be more solid. There was that weird bit with Gary Brown having the tussle with their number 10 or number 9. Yeah, Can you remember that? Often, yeah. Uh, and then he got taken off, it's, it's sort of a, and then we swapped it round, and then it just sort of came together, and then we lost signal, and then uh, Andrew Matthews and I had to uh, end up in the stand doing the commentary, which was, uh, we were stood up, so it was stand mic rather than uh, goal cam for you, Kev. Mm. Uh, so we actually celebrated the goal <laughs> when he scored it in those dying seconds with the fans, which was quite a treat. And then from then, we just didn't look back it. Suddenly, instead of this team that could just be cut open, we were a side that were solid. And he said he's not interested in getting the clean sheets, and yet that's what we got constantly. Mm. Yeah. Although I saw quite a few clean sheets, as there was a lot of nil-nils in the away games. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I would suggest... Oh, and the, probably the best one, the Spenny game, because it was just uh, one, one balmy, lovely, warm evening over at Spenny when we actually uh, 
turned him over, which... But Spennymore came out at a million miles an hour. Jamie Chandler celebrated a goal like like he'd scored the Champions League final goal. I think, I think he's still celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) He really liked that goal. I suppose he doesn't score that many, to be fair to him, but... uh, And then, obviously... We got a bit of a helping hand from the other Darlow ex-player, Mr. Tate. I say Tate, no other words, <laughs> as may have been misheard on the commentary. Uh, yeah, so, and then, uh, yeah, that was a great game. It was just nice to be in the sunshine because it's been quite a bitterly cold stance while you've been in the commentary box where you've not been able to move. So, yeah, I would go Leamington or Spenny. I think that was two good games from the waist perspective. Yeah, very good. Craig, what about you? Uh, obviously, all impartiality is yeah, respected yeah, in your yeah, professional yeah, yeah. opinion, but however... Yeah, a couple of the games have been touched on really, but low point would be probably Chorley in the sense that down were a long second best that night. It was four one, completely torn apart. Mm. And on top of that, the Downton team bus broke down on the way home. Yeah. I was on the bus that night. Were you yeah. on the bus? I was okay. on the bus as well. Yeah. I don't think we got home till about four or five yeah, o'clock in the morning. Four or five in the morning. I was Stuck up for work the next morning at seven o'clock, and I was I was a broken. That was night. a bad night. You very much in anything. Yeah, it was, it was kind of embargoed, wasn't it? The news that the bus had broke down. Yeah, well, this is Martin Gray, and Martin likes to keep everything in house. Any bad news likes to keep things in house. Yeah. So you wanted to keep them quiet for some reason, but uh, you've just been beaten four one. And then you get stuck on the bus for hours and end. Mm-hmm. And a replacement bus had to be sent from Harrogate, I think it might have been, I forget. Oh, God, that was a nightmare that night. So that was probably a low point. But another low point would be would be when at Leamington away, when it was 2-1. At the point in the game when it was mm-hmm. 2-1, had it stayed that way, had Darlington lost, who knows where would be where would be now we know who would be in charge. But then it turned around and that became a highlight because obviously Darlington went, Darlington went on to win 3-2. You mentioned Gary Brown being substituted. That was when Dave Sayers came on, defender for midfielder. Gary Brown actually went off because he had a concussion issue that day. Um, that's what we were told. Darton changed formation at that point and they stuck with that formation. And that's how the the winning run came about with the the three five two or is it three four one whatever it is these uh, days. I've I've so anyway, the, the formation was changed in the middle of that game, turned it around, 1-3-2, James Caton was outstanding. <laughs> he, had, he had his best half an hour of his life. He, he really was. People don't believe it who weren't there, but he, 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 was, he was good. Uh, so that turned into a highlight, but for me, you can't forget Joe Tate's own goal. That was fantastic. Highlight of this this season and, and probably the last ten years for main football. Yeah, if Jamie Chandler's still celebrating his goal. We're still yeah. celebrating that one, aren't we? <laughs> it was a great, a nice touch of Joe Tate to do that. Uh, I thought it was really. I, I admired him for doing it. Put himself through that kind of shame and embarrassment for the benefit of others. It gave us all a moment to treasure. Well enjoyed that. Thanks very much, Joe. You're, you're a good man. No matter what the people say about you, I think you're a good man. I think you've got to give some of the goalies some of the share of the blame as well, <laughs> to be true. fair, <laughs> or the glory. Yeah, mis- miscommunication between them. One of the best things about that was, was filming the game, obviously, and um, the the ball comes in from Thompson. And I, I, I'm not clocked at this point that it's Joe Tate who's headed it past uh, his own goalkeeper. And then there was that sort of two-second sort of realisation where he's Joe Tate's just headed that in the back of his own night right where's Joe Tate on the pitch get zoomed in on him <laughs> <laughs> and his reaction to it you know he, he can turn around he wants to criticise the goalkeeper but I think he probably knows that he can't really do it you know he hasn't got a link to stand on there's, there's, if you watch the highlights it's on there there's this lovely 
bit of backwards and forwards between Joe Tate looking so frustrated and hacked off with what he's done. Yeah, he's got such self, he's got such low self-esteem, Joe, though, hasn't he? I mean, he's so humble, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure he found it difficult. I don't, I don't think he was Mr. Popular at the end of last season at Spain. Because of, I don't think it was entirely down to that own goal, but that was a no, no, that was a factor. I know that he was a substitute in a game not long after that, and. Uh, I think he came off the bench, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he came off the bench. More or less laid the ball on through. Was it against Telford? There was, he tried well, the game, game after hours, wasn't it? It was one of them no look passes, you know, when you're trying to be clever and yeah. pass, look one way and pass the other. Well, you look one way and pass straight to an attacker yes. and they scored. Well done, Joe. And um, they'll look assist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who knows where, what his future is? It's but I would say the other thing with that game was that's where Stephen Thompson wasn't the gazer, he was, became Peter Beardsley because the amount of times he won the ball back in that game where they did the sort of slidey Peter Beardsley come and get the ball did it it must have done it over half a dozen ten times it was a mad and then obviously he set up that goal he was that's definitely when he nailed the player of the year competition well we'll come on to the Peter Lee Gazza in a while won't we when we review we won the awards yeah. but he's, that's one of the, that's one of the highlights I think of certainly the second half of the season has been seeing Tom all come back to, to his best because yeah. he's a joy to watch isn't he I mean I think you know, we've we've maybe done it to death a little bit, but I think the low point for me was that South Shields game. I, I was there. I'd rather have been anywhere else. That was a complete throw the towel in. We we because we didn't just get beat by South Shields. They were not a bad team. We were embarrassed. That yeah. was really really terrible. It felt like the sort of performance where, I mean, yeah, like you say, South Shields obviously not a bad team. They've won promotion this season, and you would expect them to give us a game, even if we were, you know, if we were on it. But that just, it sounded like a game where we could have lost to anyone. Yeah. You know, give so. us a team, give us a team three divisions further down than that. And then the, 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 still. Yeah. The decent, but they got the lad Callahan at left back who didn't pull up any trees here. He looked he looked like, I don't know who he looked like, he looked like a world beater, didn't he, on the left back. Jack Norton in goal, come on. Jack Norton. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no disrespect, he won't be listening. I'm sure his mum's not listening, but come off it. He was, but you he say was, that, but they beat York in the next round. And they've just won the league title. Yeah, they're, they're a fair team. I they're think a very good side. In hindsight, I think it's uh, that occasion and other, Michael mentioned the Curzon. They, they, we, we can look back and say yeah, Martin Gray, his time had gone things were going wrong, a change was required and performances like South Hills Curzon and other ones in that time and Martin Gray won one of his last 11 matches, things were going wrong, a change was, was needed So, you know. I think I think my favourite uh, my favorite, one of my favourite matches no one's mentioned was Harrogate on Boxing Day, I really enjoyed that, that, that was a, good a, good, one. a really good yeah. win, I mean it, unfortunately I think it gets forget, forgotten about a bit because then we didn't go on the run, so it kind of got lost as a bit of a yeah. one-off. But I it, really was one of those, it was one of those, wasn't it? Because the early, the early sort of summing up of Tommy's Tommy and Alan's time in charge was sort of the performances were there, but we weren't getting the results, and and we that that was one of those games where we did get the result, our performance justified. But then, as you say, it was kind of back to, I think the next game we lost three 0 to them at their place, which you know a lot of teams are going to do because they finished second, but. Um, it very much felt like the exception rather than, than the norm at that point, whereas eventually post Leamington we started to turn it round and, and wins became the yeah the exactly exactly. Ge- I mean, I think the the other general high point for me was just how I think how what what's happened to the club generally in that last few months of the season where you've mm. just suddenly seen the barriers come down a little bit mm. and everyone's a little more engaged and you know we've got community work going and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. A big highlight for me, I think. Um, I, I was going to touch on some of that later on, I think. But um, while I was sort of preparing for the podcast, I was trying to compare stats of Martin Dre's games at the start of the season and, and Tommy's overall. And um, it's quite interesting, actually. 
Um, if, I, if I've done the maths right, uh, Matt and Ray uh, did 13 games at the start of the season. He won four, drew five, and lost the other four, which means he gained 17 points. Now, Tommy Wright did 26 games, double the number of games. He won nine of them, drew seven, and then lost 10, and he got 34 points, and it's, it's pretty much... It is exactly the same record. Uh, we were trying to work out points per game, weren't we? Because <laughs> we were proud for this. And you, you've never seen three people. We got there eventually in the end. Um, <laughs> but it turns out we've got exactly the same same record. Yeah, I think the thing with Martin though, he got two of the wins in the two of the wins and two yes, of the draws in the first say, four, yeah. didn't he? And then after that, it was it completely fell apart. It fell it? fell apart. And I think personal opinion I don't think you can underestimate how challenging it must have been to take on that squad move players out in the way that he did no. Tommy had to and then try and turn that around I think that was a really difficult job he had I mean he's still got you know well, again we'll touch on it more later but he's still got a bit of a job over the summer hasn't he to, to maybe trim the squad size a little bit because mm. as much as well as we've done to, to bring the budget up I, I was um, going to say, still, as, as, as much as the sorry, as much as they both got the exact same record, I was going to make the point you just made there that I think you've got to say Tommy's had a better of it mm. because he has moved players on. He's worked with a lesser budget, yeah. um, and he inherited a squad which was low on confidence, and he's had to put his stamp on it, which is hard enough to do at the best of times. Well, you know, having to deal with a squad which doesn't have much much confidence. I think we all we're all sitting here feeling a lot more upbeat and positive than we were this time last year. I think, aren't we? When we had the seat gate piece, we had Raj Singh sticking his beak in around about this time, didn't we? We had Martin throwing or throwing the board under the bus and stuff like that. Yeah. It certainly seems immeasurably more positive around here than it did this time last year, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, the management saga of who was going to get the job sort of came for something. But I just remember doing the Blythe game. That was his first game, wasn't it, Tommy's first oh, yeah, game? Yeah. The breath of fresh air. He actually kept, first time the the manager came up and said hello, and he just thought, "This feels. I just you really want this guy to do well because yeah. you just got this fresh air just cleared over the thing, and it was just a fortunate error with the Blyde game because we were the first half we were winning it and it felt that this is going to be something, and then it just. I think everybody then still the legacy of what the the down feeling that the club had had. And the players had, and it just took a fair long while to do it. And he, like you say, he had to turn turn around a few players to do it. And and especially, it got to be difficult to come into a ground club where everybody's been there for quite a long time. Which is one of the most the great things of the club is the fact that we've had the same a lot of the same players throughout the whole thing, rather than massive churn every time. So he's mm. that's a really big task to do it. Although he's it's a very sad time, obviously, with some players going moving on and all the rest of it all. But. Uh, he can be the good man, and he, he's, he's obviously got some steel in him as well, and he's not frightened of making the difficult decisions. It's, uh, you mentioned the word churn there. Of the, that, the team photograph at the beginning of last, beginning of last season, there were 24 people in it, uh, yeah. 22 players plus Brian Atkinson and Martin Gray. Of those 24, only nine remain. That's including Burton, uh, sorry, uh, Burgess and, and Canton. So you could say, argue seven, seven remain because uh, those two players haven't got much of a future at the club. Like, Tells you really the, the kind of the amount of change that's gone on in, in the last year, how, how much upheaval there's been, and despite the upheaval, uh, Tommy has managed to oversee the overhaul in, in mid-season overhaul. That's what it was. It managed to turn it round after that Limington game and got us back uh, going forward and looking forward to, to next season. What, what what might come? Good, good stuff. And then 
the culmination of the season, I suppose, from an awards point of view, was the presentation night at the McEwer King's Head, I think it's yeah. called, isn't it, these days in uh, the town, yeah. last week. Um, views on the winners. So to recap, the winners, Stephen Thompson, Player of the Year, as voted for by, I think, the players and the away supporters, is that right? Something like that. And then Joe Wheatley, Young Player of the Year. Yeah, I'll Reece away, uh, sorry, Goal of the Season for the away goal at Alfreton. So pick the bones out with that. Was that the uh, same votes that you'd have had? Dis- dis- disagree oh. with the goal, season, goal of the season. I think... I'll, I'll Go on, who did I'll, you vote for, Kev? Well, I voted for Reece Dice against York, yeah. if I recall correctly. But I, I think the right person's won it. But I think for the wrong goal, it might be. Is that the bulldozer goal? Where just the, yeah, the he, one where yeah, he, he knocked it he, past he, the last man, didn't he? And I remember your commentary quite distinctly. Reese Dice has crushed it off the underside of the bar. I thought that was a perfectly good description. Oh, sort of encapsulated his uh, his style of play, doesn't it? Yeah. Like you say, that bulldozer mentality of getting yeah. past the player and, and smashing the ball goalwards. I thought that was a goal of the season. Yeah. See, I had the team, I had the opposition we scored against right, but I went for a different score. I had the Gillies against Alpha and goal from earlier in the season where I yeah. think it balls lofted up into the box, Beck knobs it down, and Gillies just runs into the box like late on and just right foot first time half volley just curls it in almost off the post. I just thought it was a great little knockdown, a great little finish. Um, so it was like, the, for me, it was the, the best quality of the, the goals that were on the short list. Um, but I think Stage v York. Um, also a good shout because, I, in one sense, first of all, sort of the I suppose the importance of the, fi- the fixture of the fans, because obviously he's in charge of York now. But that was the first hint that we got that if you ask Reece Dyche to do a particular celebration, he will do it. <laughs> um, because obviously, what came after that was the Chorley game, the snow, and the uh, the check for twenty thousand pound and a, a friendly against the team of legends. I thought he'd had a fit or something in that game at York when he went to the ground and started rolling about. I thought someone was going to have to give him CPR. I didn't get that. I remember, I remember, Sarah, I remember my commentary. I'm like, what's he doing? And then I'm like, and then I remember halfway through saying it that somebody had challenged him to do that, like 20 quid to the Darlow sponsor a goal thing if he did it. So he got down and he did his barrel roll in front of the York fans who were probably too confused to hurl any abuse at him at that point. And too cold, probably as well. Yeah. On, on, on the, we, we've got like another angle behind the, the goal of, uh, when he's rolling around on the floor, which uh, Jordy Burton did. And uh, I, I cut it in the highlights, but I can tell you when you uh, watch the, all the footage back, there is a fair bit of abuse going in from some <laughs> of the York fans. Fair enough. Does, does your impartiality uh, <laughs> prohibit you from voting in goal of the season, Craig? Uh, I didn't get a chance because the vote was only open for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very short window. Yeah. Which know, when you get older, time starts to move. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's something. It was ten minutes. Well, it, it was thirty-nine. It, it wasn't. It wasn't ideal. I think so. I didn't really realise the vote was closed until it was closed. I didn't realise it was open for such a so short. So who would you have voted for? Hypothetically, uh, it was not uh, Graham Armstrong's header against Whitby. It's gone crazy. I'm still. I'm going to maintain the position for as long until he gets goal of the season. That, was, that should have been goal of the it should have been I'm not going to let this go <laughs> but for now I will can we yeah. have a goal of the decade do you think just to get this out <laughs> of a chance yeah. but the other thing I missed with that Alfreton goal with Stice is you've got to remember that's just after the penalty it was next game wasn't it and the celebration after the Alfreton game it just that typified the man of Stice that he got that ball and he just looked like a man possessed that mm. I'm going to score this goal because I'm not going to have that penalty as my last memory. Yeah. And he just got that ball and absolutely walloped it and then ran right back to the Darlow fans and <laughs> giving yeah. it giving it his uh, all. It was it was an amazing... It just 
He's just got a, such an aura about him when he's doing it. It might be because he shares the same birthday as me, which I didn't find out until the other day. <laughs> but it's my birthday, Reese. in case you are listening. I'm older, so it's my birthday. But the, the tenacity of the man, and as somebody said on uh, Mixler chat, Stash, what was it called? Stashalicious? What was Stashadelic. it called? Stashadelic, thank you very much. <laughs> that absolutely is. The man is uh, an enigma. Stashalicious sounds wrong. <laughs> it does. Sorry, it does, it does. That thought, tells us all about what's going on in your mind. Not with that haircut, no. I did like his goal against Alfred. I did. I did. Not, nothing wrong with it. I did like it. I, I, I also like Greg Mills's goal. I was, I was going to say, I think was that second? No, I think it was last in the, in huh? the, in the vote. Yeah. I don't think I didn't very, see the full was it really? it got, Yeah, I think it was last. He got very few votes. I, I might be wrong in saying this, but I think, I assume, that's because he wasn't Mr. Popular with the fans. Yeah. You know, well, for good reason. He didn't do, didn't yeah, do anything. It probably is the best team goal. Yeah, it is the best team goal, but because he, it was by Greg Mills, who didn't do a lot, really, uh, in, in his time at the club, I think I'm assuming that's why people haven't really. Uh, that's that's a shame. Like it, it is a good goal actually. I, I debated long and hard between the the Stice one against New York and that uh, yeah. Greg Mills one. But there would have been some irony, wouldn't there? And Greg Mills being released and also winning goal of the season. <laughs> yes. but it, it, Chris Senior esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about Sayers? Did he get a nomination? Uh, he did. Yeah, against, yeah. Uh, the head of line. He yeah. scored some good. It just, just takes the go- It takes the shot so well. Sayers, just cool as you like. Absolutely. So all of his goals are usually pretty nice. I think the one against Nuneaton was quite good when he came on the away game again, obviously. But uh, he just he just knows how to put the ball in the net. Cool, cool, cool as ice. Whereas Stash is a blast, but he does it. He's uh, he's become a little bit of a. Well, he's becoming, I think, starting to become a little bit of a cult figure. Oh, Stash, isn't but Yeah, yeah. No, I think Stash certainly is, which is what Tommy promised when he signed him. Yeah. The fans will love him. It'll be a cult figure, which Martin Gray said the same thing, by the way, about Stephen Thompson. So it just shows you sometimes managers know what they get, know yeah. what they know. <laughs> it made me laugh when uh, Reese Sites got uh, the manager's player of the year. His own, his own signing, who we spent a few quid on. <laughs> that's, that's right, that's the other award. I got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, almost just to, just to remind everybody, just to justify <laughs> yeah. the doubt there. But no arguments at all. He did, did really, really well. And in you know, signed in November, time scored is it thirteen goals? I think. I think. Mm, yeah. Yes, thirteen. Look at some man. Yeah, so I think in total for the season it was something twenty to twenty three in thirty three, thirty four games, including what he did well, previous to that. We set up for that next year, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, well, he did well, and obviously Thompson won the overall yeah. I think, player of the year for yeah. the second time. He also won it for Downton in the Northern League season. He was Downton player of the year, player of the year that year as well. So but you would not have predicted. Well, you wouldn't have predicted when he was playing fullback. A little bit of Stephen Thompson appreciation, I think, is uh, is called for. I mean, certainly, be it serendipity or, or what, since uh, since Martin Gray left and Tommy and Allen came in, his form's been transformed, hasn't yeah. it? It's been wonderful to watch. I think um, Tommy's always got that in him, hasn't he? It's, it's never gone away. It's, um, it's just a case he's put it back out on the pitch, hasn't he? He's like you say, he's been tremendous since he came in, and, and he's played a, f- a few different positions since Tommy came in, and um, yeah, I, I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of him because, like you say, as as important as Stice has been, I, I think you can make the case for Tomo being as important as well. Yeah. I think it's been a, a running a running theme of each episode of the podcast. There's been a point at which we have to stop and acknowledge just how good Thompson's been. 
over you know however many games it's been that we're covering in that particular episode and and, and full disclosure before I, I carry on talking about him I actually voted for Josh Heaton for player of the season I thought um, you were going to say you loved him then <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't I thought he was going to say who doesn't like Tom Alicious or something <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Thompson's revival under Tommy Wright over the past few months has been absolutely sensational, and it's just brilliant to see him back to his best. And yes, admittedly, I didn't vote for him for Player of the Season, but I can absolutely, I can have absolutely no complaints about him winning. It, it is fully deserved. But it's not just the fact that he's playing, playing. It's it's the whole game. I mean, as someone who's watched him for quite a few years, as we all have, his positional sense has been questionable a lot of the time, and you were basically allowing him that raw talent to make all the difference, which he could do. But coming up to this level, that he, since Tommy's come in, his positional sense, I mean, even speaking to Trotman on uh, on the Stockport game, he likes playing in front, uh, behind Thompson, which I'm not sure every single fullback would have suggested because he does roam around and he leaves gaps behind him. But this season, since he's come on, I, I think he's positionally far better, more clever of, of knowing where to be. He's tracking back getting the tackles in and winning the ball. He's much more of a team player now, but he's still got the goals in him. Yeah, yeah, he's a much better rounded player, I think. Do you, do you know what you say, team player? I remember a few years ago, I can't remember where, Rob's bottom where, Rob's bottom where, when we played there, uh, someone someone had a, sort of a little pop at Tomo from uh, from the sideline saying he's, he's got to work harder. And I, it's got me thinking, I thought, I think Tomo's always worked hard, to be honest with you. I, I don't think he's a... Uh, a lax player by any stretch of the imagination. I thought he's always put a shift in, and um, don't think that's any different now. To be honest with you, no, I agree. And I'm just thinking there. The other thing that you said there, Mike, as well is, um, you know, the the Trotman Thompson combination down that side is one that's exciting for mm. for next year. I think mm. as well, and as well as the change in management, maybe having some stability at fullback behind him with a fullback who likes to get forward as well. Because I think no disrespect to previous fullbacks who we've had, but if you look at Liam Mars, Gary Brown was there for a while. Playing fullback, they're, they're not like box to box attacking. Trotman's round the outside all the time. I wonder if that's helped too. It'd be good to see them playing together next year. I think. Yeah, Trotman's a classic field winger who en- ends up at fullback, which is. <laughs> I think he was a winger when he was younger. I think that's a lot, a lot of the Marley's days. Fullbacks are almost. Uh, I think they've all gone up watching Danny Alves at Barcelona, and they all think they can. They all try and do the same, and that's what Luke Trotman does. He's 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 a winger stroke right back. And uh, he should combine well down the right, which is why Tommy signed up. Did we go bomb forward? Yeah. Same, with yeah. ben, same with Ben O'Hanlon. But going back to Thompson briefly, he if you're a defender, I don't think you want to play against him. He wouldn't relish playing against him because he no. he he'd run at you with the ball he, he, and he's strong, and he must be a pain to uh, to, to to play against as, as a fullback. So um, no 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 problem with him being player of the year. The, the, the other thing about Tommy as well um, before we move on is. You know, even when he has an underpar game, so he's, he says he's not having his best afternoon. He's still got that. He can still pull that touch out the bag. He can still pull off a little move to skim past his man and put a ball in. You know, he's always got that. You, you feel even when he's having a bad afternoon that he's got one moment in him which could change a game. Yeah, and I, I think that's. That's how good a player he is. Was it Kidderminster at home? You mentioned earlier that was Thompson, wasn't it? In the last minute, yeah, I'm who pretty drilled sure it in so. from close range if I've got my game right yeah. I think the other thing with Thompson this year is he's, he's certainly the second half is he's looked really fit yes. you know because his game requires some pace and fitness mm. and strength doesn't it and he's looked physically in, in great nick yeah. as well hardly missed a game I don't think 
No, um, I've, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I don't think he has. Everyone immediately goes down and looks at the stats. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will point out that I did produce the stats list, I just did not print it out. <laughs> 40 games. 40, 40 games. games, there you go. Well, It's a lot of football, obviously, especially football. early on, when you're playing, what, twice a week from August till October? Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of football. So, but you wouldn't have seen him as a partner. I mean, the partnership bit, because, I mean, if you had to look at partners, who would you? Who would be the the one you pick? You, you've got your Trotman and Thompson. You've got Galbraith and um, Heaton. Yeah. And then you've got your Wheatley and Turnbull. Which of those three would you pick as your pair? Well, I, th- I think you've missed one out there. I think it's Sayers and, um, and Stash. Stash, yeah, Stash, yeah. Sayers and Stash. I think Sayers has quietly become. I think I think the change in system, this sort of four four one one or whatever you want to call it, is I think we've got the best out of uh, Sayers. I think he's got that intelligence where he can dip into midfield and, and we can become like a five, if you yeah. like, in midfield when we need to stiffen up. And he's got, it means he's a little bit further forward. There's this term in football these days, but it's half space or something like that. Between so he works yeah. that sort of attacking midfield sort of area beautifully, that's in my opinion. You can get forward yeah, late on the end of balls. Pep Guardiola approach, isn't it? Between the lines, yes. half, half spaces between, yeah, between the yeah. I, I, I think the, the change in system once we've landed on that. I hope we don't move away from it because I think we've we've got a great player in in Dave Sayers, and he's he's played football league hasn't he most of his career if not all of his all of his career, you can see that intelligence in that position and it just allows him to to bring that out of him. Yeah, yeah, but we do need a plan B though because uh, that, well, that, that formation works with those players. If you lose that, Stash, no, we suddenly look a little bit. I was going to say that four four one one whatever you want to call it, yeah. it can transition quite easily into a four four two if you want it to be. Um, it can transition into a four-five-one if you want it to be. It can almost be a four-three-three as well, uh, because people see um, restage up front on his own. He automatically one forward. Well, it isn't one forward. You've got Sayers up there, and say we're attacking down the right-hand side with Tomo, then Josh Gillies becomes Laura, and effectively all of a sudden you've got three forwards up front. So it's a great system in my opinion. I mean, you saw the goal against, uh, was it FC United late in the season? Uh, which one again? Um, which goal? And FC United, Josh Gillies goal. That's what I'm talking about. That player came down the right-hand side and Josh Gillies stood on the left-hand side waiting uh, to, for the ball to come over to his side. He then gets Laura and all of a sudden you've got three players in the box. I think it's a great system. Well, speaking speaking as a man who's been so successful on football manager over the years, Kev, <laughs> I take everything that you're talking about about formations and systems as gospel. Well, I, I wouldn't because I'm going through an awful run on football manager. <laughs> um, but I've, I've, I've looked at that system and I, I get the benefit of being able to watch the game two or three times while I'm in there. I, I am starting to slowly pick up a little bit more of what's mm. happening on the pitch. and I, I'm, I really do like that system. I, ho- I hope we don't stray away from it. Good, good. And then the final award we've not talked about so far from last week was Joe Wheatley, Young Player of, of the Year. Any thoughts on that one? Any thoughts on how Joe Wheatley's done this season? Well, he was very modest about it when, he, when we spoke to him. Um, it, it was also, a bit, uh, he seemed to be quite excited about his England Sea game that was coming up. Uh, nice little tan going on. <laughs> 21 years old. That's the bit you don't clock when he's out there playing. It's this young lad <laughs> coming out. But he seems to be, a, he's, he's enjoying playing. He's looking forward to the Vardy thing. He's looking very positive of it all. So uh, I think he's, uh, if his future does stay here, 
it could be bright. Yeah, we've got the three players going to the Jamie Vardy thing, haven't we? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that Joe, because obviously Martin brought him in, uh, but it's hard to imagine he didn't get a start for ages, did he? Remember, I think it was FC yeah. United in Manchester, wasn't it, when he made his yes. debut? He made his debut and, and he scored. Um, he'd been, I know he'd been complaining to Martin, asking why I'm not playing. You've signed me and you won't play me. Yeah. Um, so he didn't get a chance initially. Uh, once he did get into the team, I think Martin left not long afterwards, which was ironic, really. And he's turned out to be a, a very good player. There was, I think it was a, there was a chance of him leaving potentially towards the end of the season. Uh, but he obviously signed that contract now. And I think he sees it as one step backwards to hopefully go too forward. Because he was in Middlesbrough this time last year. got, got yeah. released by Borough. He's now down with Downton and he will hope to uh, go forward. But that that's mutually beneficial. That works for us as well because he's under contract. Mm-hmm. And it would uh, make Downton a few quid if he was to catch the eye at the Valley Academy, which does happen. Um, obviously, Heaton doing this and Trotman do the same. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. But I think it's a sign of how far we've we've come on the pitch, isn't it? That all of a sudden, from, from being sort of relegation-threatened at one point, we're... We've shot back up the table, albeit maybe it's not as high as we'd have wanted. Um, and next thing you know, we've got players being called up for England C. We've got players being called up to, to, to be put in this shop window at this, this Jamie Vardy Academy. And uh, it's great for them. And as you say, Craig, you know, if if this Vardy Academy leads to, to clubs getting on the phone and wanting to, to buy them off us, if we can get a good deal for the club, get some sell-ons in there, then, you know. Well, it's been a certain difference. Depends how you quantify success, doesn't it? All mm. I mean, some people would turn around and say, "Well, we didn't make the playoffs." Would say, "Well, that hasn't been a very successful season." Well, I would disagree. I would say it's been relatively successful because here we put the building blocks in place potentially for next season. Yeah. We've not finished too badly, and we've signed three or four players over the course of the season who you reckon, with a little bit of polish, could potentially net us some decent money yeah. somewhere down the line. I would say. You know, you're not going to finish in the playoffs every season. You've just got to look for little successes over a course of season. I, I think that's why I would and say And then going even younger, even further down, you've got the academy as well, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's started up now. You, 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 know, you, you look for different things, don't you? These players, like it, it, it almost feels like the first of the production line, hopefully, of promising young players that Tommy's going to bring in or Tommy's going to develop. And then either they're going to be fantastic players for our football club or they're going to be saleable assets yeah. and they'll get this money in the bank and... Mm. Glover's a good example of stability mm. for a 16-year-old. Mm. That game at Stockport, I think he played. Did he play the whole game? He did. I think yeah, yes, he did. It's the most coolest 16-year-old on the ball I've ever seen. It's absolutely any under any situation they'd give him the ball and he would yeah. most of the time find the next man with it. And he's 16. He's 17 now. Yeah. He's 17. He's 17. Now. Two days after the Stockport game. Yeah. Ah, which right, means okay. we can sign him on a contract, right? So we've gone from a cool, a, a cool 16-year-old to a contracted 17-year-old. Well, exactly. A Vaux had a good game. I thought he's got potential. I mean, the teenagers flooding through. That never seemed to happen in before. We we always seem to buy players who were the finished well, article. We were, we were buying so to players speak. to do a job at one point, weren't we? And now we're starting to look longer term. You Somehow at, that's, yeah. I don't know whether that was fully intentional, but yeah, it seems to have turned into that. And the the only other player we've not mentioned in that youth category, actually, is someone who, who Mike broke the commentator rule of impartiality, now I think about it, and said he voted for him for player of the year, for full player of the year. That's Josh Heaton. He looks like a player, doesn't he? Yeah. Very impressive, wasn't he? And, and at the heart of that good run as well, in that, that centre-half pairing uh, at the time. I'm so impressed with him, and uh, you know he looks like he's got a bright future ahead of him as well, doesn't he? Well, Galbraith was very... Very positive about him in the uh, when we had a chat with him, he uh, he rates him as well. 
Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of potential, but he didn't break in straight away, though, wasn't he? He was, he came and he was a bit like Joe Wheatley. He was sort of on the bench for quite a while. Yeah, I, I think, think that was chance once he got it. Yeah, I think that was the intention. He wasn't signed to play straight away. No. He was signed to maybe he's playing next season. But then I'm not sure of the circumstances. Um, was it when Gary, Brownie's it, concussion was? Yeah, it was Gary Brown unavailable? I forget what it was now, but various Tom Collins as well. Yeah, various uh, think factors combined, and you end up getting a chance and, and taking that chance. So, which is what he's, uh, which is what was the, uh, I guess, is worked out for the best. Yeah, very good. And um, we mentioned David Johnson a little while ago. In a minute, we'll go and have a listen to his uh, post-season summary and what he has to say about it. But before we go to that, there was some other news broke over the weekend around that awards do about players leaving, wasn't it? And it would seem a good time to pay tribute to some of the probably the the most favourite players. Of, of this last generation certainly Gary Brown right at the heart of that as club skipper back in the Northern League uh, Leon Scott obviously came in right from the beginning as well and then a couple of days later the news about Tom Portis would you, would you have any any memories of those three lads or what tribute would you pay uh, to them as they go on to new ventures well, well, yeah. it feels like a huge shame but almost inevitable every player at some point has to say goodbye and Gary and Leon both had six years with, with the club, and I don't think they could have given any more. They, they, they probably shouldn't have any regrets. Uh, they both did well to play, to, come, to go from Northern League to compete in the National League North. Both made a contribution all the way through though, at that time, and, and Tom as well, and Tom Portis as well. And it's a shame all three are gone. Um, I'd like, particularly, I'd like Tom Portis to have stayed. I think he had something to offer. Um, he's only 26, I think he is. I think he. Having said that, Tommy can't keep every player. He's he, he can't keep every can't keep every player happy. So, but going back, yeah, Leon and, and Gary. It's, it's a shame they're both gone. Both fan, fan, particularly Gary. He's really fans' favourite. Really committed. I think. He, and the thing is, he loved playing for Darlington as well. It wasn't just a job. It wasn't a Saturday job for him. It no. wasn't just you know he, he appreciated playing for Darlington. It's something he enjoyed doing. Like he, he was proud of it. And he's a good character to have, and uh, it's a shame that he'll be playing elsewhere next season. You know, I'll, I'll miss the program, to be honest with mm. you, Brownie particularly. Um, being on the team courts, you know, you, you, you sat up the front, the players are at the back, um, more often than not. All, all the way to the way games, you can you can hear Brownie, you know, um, at the back of the bus. He, he's a great character. And one of the things I like about Brownie is he always played every game as if it was his last, um, you know. You mentioned Stockport earlier on being, you know, pretty much a nothing game. Well, there was a period during the opening five ten minutes where mm. Brownie's having to fling himself in front of uh, the ball to, to stop it going in the back of the net. Doesn't have to do that, you know. It's nothing on the game at all. But he's done it as if it if it meant something, you know. And that that's that's the way he played. And that's that's what I liked about him. You know, not not technically even the both of them not technically the best footballers. I, I dare say they probably admit that themselves. Yeah, but I like I like it when Brownie booted the ball out of the stand the stock ball twice. No, no, no moon, <laughs> yeah. no moon achievement that. Yeah, almost for a throwing, I think, completely unnecessary. Another time was meant to be a cross. Yeah, ended up in the car park. But you know, not, but that's not, not what he's there for. He's, no, you know, he wasn't there. Not not not, yeah. not the most technically proficient player, but he 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 always put his all into the pitch. You know, he never he never left anything out there. You know, it was, it was all out there sort of thing. And yeah, I'll, I'll miss the pound and, and Portis as well. And he's, he's got some terrific goals, didn't he? He could have almost had a goal in the season one yards for a part yeah. of one, one season. He, he did two or three games, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he sort of burst through the middle yeah. and just leathered the ball into the corner. 
think he only think scored the bridge like one that sticks out. Was it nine goals in? I think it was nine in 120, 130 games. Nearly yeah. didn't score that many for for midfield, but the one he did score, as you say, Bamba Bridge was yeah. a, a, a very good goal. Um, yeah, he, he was, and for a T side as well, he's got some intelligence. He's quite a clever lad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying anything. I work on. I work in T sides. But um, yeah, he, he was sound. I never really spoke to Leon very much. I was, I was too intimidated by his appearance. He, he, he was far too good looking. He was like looking at a, a yeah. poster. Uh, well, you were like, mirror then for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like looking in the uh, like looking at a poster in JD Sports or Foot Asylum. And, uh, but he was talking back, looking at you. It was quite yeah. weird. But, uh, I'm much more comfortable speaking to Gary Brown. He was, you know, like, about my level in terms of appearance. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Brownlee and uh, Scotty and, and Portis as well, in fairness, if you if you asked them to do something, you know, in terms of promoting the club or something like that, mm. they would always help you, you know. Well, especially with Leon, they would always the, work. Brownlee and Leon in particular, I thought were two smashing lads, and I, I, I generally will miss yeah. them. And wish them all the I think I saw someone, I can't remember who it was on, 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 uh, on Twitter now, but basically when it was announced that Gary was leaving, they just said, that man is Mr. Darlow. Mm. And that is that is the best tribute you can pay to him. He he fell in love with the club, and the club fell in love with him. You know, all the fans. He was, like you said, he was passionate, wore his heart on his sleeve. He gave everything, every minute of every game. Um, and he was, you know, he helped out with stuff off the pitch as well. You know, he'd attend the community fun days when I did the um, fundraising quiz at Blackwell Meadows before we officially moved in there. He... I think it was him and Leon and Johnny Davis, that tells you how long ago it was, um, came and did that for the football club, and they were just fantastic. And, and Leon as well, again, you know, he fell in love with the club. The fans fell in love with him, some perhaps for different reasons, as Craig <laughs> mentioned. Um, and we are going to miss the pair of them terribly because they have been fantastic servants over the last six years. And... Mm. I, mean, I know, I know. I'm not the only fan who's going to say this. I don't imagine there will be a single fan who won't. But yeah, we absolutely, I absolutely wish the pair of them every was, success. Was your, was your voice wobbling there, mate? I was trying <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was tea 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 I remember yeah. when oh, I remember when Gary left the first time. He went for that little, yeah. little, uh, little trip over to Shildon for a couple of months. Um, I was taking a break from social media. I can't even remember why now. But I've been off Twitter for about a month and a half. And then the news broke that Gary was leaving. I was straight on there like, no. Say this isn't happening, Gary. Just like, yeah, it is. And that, that was it. My my social media thing was broken. They'll all leave an imprint, won't they? I think after they've Absolutely. gone a little bit of a legacy. Tom maybe was deprived of the chance to demonstrate he could move up the leagues because of injuries. Didn't have so many chances. But if you look at Leon and Gary, I think every time we got a promotion, people would come out and say, oh, I think that's the level. I that's think that's it. it. That's and then they'd step, step up two. and they'd yeah. be great players again. And then they'd find a level again. And I think you could say that. With, with both of those lads yeah. to be honest and if you look at Gary Brown in particular you know that the final point that we got in that good run at the start of the season the first four games was York when he went off with the head injury and mm. and really that, that real car crash of form happened at the same time now there's many moving pieces there as well but I do think I can't think of many times in a Gary Brown Darlington team that you would be really rolled over like we were in some of the games at that time yeah yeah, he was a real leader, if you like. Well, only on I mean, well, at one point he was manager. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a real leader. He needed a few of them in, in his changing room. He needed a few men to look after everybody else and show the way. And that's his, a big reason why Gary was there, not just his footballing ability, but also what he brings to the, brings to the dressing room. Uh, Leon and Gary in, in, in that respect. 
So no, they both both be missed. Think it just does feel as though things won't quite be the same. Doesn't mean things are going to going to be any worse or any better, but it's just it's a, an era has, has yeah. gone. It's, exactly, exactly. The only thing the thing that makes me think about it is I put him in now in the bracket of you say Mr. Darlow, but if you look back, the Mr. Darlows of the Kev Smiths and the Craig Liddles, I think I think we're reasonably safe. That Gary Brown yeah. is in that kind of bracket. He's he's endeared himself to the fans. He's been there through thick and thin. He's Knocked himself out. I mean, yeah, I mean, figuratively, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. he got the concussion, and I remember we had him at uh, on commentary at the Boston game. I mean, when, when he wasn't putting bets on, he he was very informative of uh, of his footballing knowledge. <laughs> These horse racing bets, not yeah. in football. Oh, yeah. horse racing! Yeah, of course, it was horse racing. Yes, I hope the FA yeah. don't listen to this. It's podcast. a world I know nothing but if about. If the FA do listen to it, they will get this far into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it was definitely horse racing because it's yeah, been I mean, flying over my head. A word on Tom Portis as well, because um, I didn't really mention him there when I was talking about Gary and Leon. Um, <laughs> He's doing it again. Get emotional. Get the Kleenex. I just think, yeah. Um, I think as Craig said, injuries probably did as much for him as anything else. Um, so he didn't really get the chance to have a good run in the team this season and his contract's up. So got to make the tough decisions with the reduced budget that we've got. And again, we're going to miss him and he's going to be a great player for wherever he ends up next. Yeah, well, I hope if the if the gents are listening that they take the, uh, the affection that we have for him in this room mm. and probably... Imagine that being representative of all the Darlow fans around the place as well, I think, because I haven't heard anybody say a bad word no. about any of them, really. And they'll always be welcome back, as long as they don't yeah. score a winner in the last say, minute. I wonder if we'll see them one more time, because we've got the legends friendly, haven't we? There's a chance they might appear in we'll, that. Would, would be so. nice to. I mean, we'll promise we'll keep you away from them, though. Yeah. <laughs> don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't let Gary and Leon know. It's all right, we'll keep Pricey away. No <laughs> yeah, yeah. that day. In, in an ideal world, you, if, if you had the budget, you would keep all three of them. Because all over the season, mm. you would find a use for them in some way, shape or form. You know, Leon is a, a ball-winning midfielder in there if you, if you needed someone to come off the bench and show up from midfield, uh, or Brownie in defence. But, um, you know, Brownie in particular doesn't want to sit on the bench. He wants to be playing football. I'm sure Leon wants to be playing football. Um, I'm sure Tom Portis is the same. So whoever gets them has got, you know, three terrific players. We should say one of them, the one went in the middle of the season, Mr. Cartman, who's been yeah. banging them in. He's beca- he became a, a proper fan's favourite as well. We should remember him in this season. Indeed, indeed. Uh, did they, have they managed to go up? No, no, they didn't. They lost that really playoff semi, didn't they? I think it's Ashton. Oh, is it Ashton? Uh, yes, oh, we've now come. Oh, right, there, we got them next season, haven't we? But yeah, Nathan, I would definitely put in that mix as well. Because he definitely put himself out towards the fans as well. Definitely, definitely. Good. Good. Well, we wish all of the all of the gents all the best wishes from from all of us here at the DFR podcast for sure. I think we've probably had a good spell of our voices there. We should get somebody more intelligent and articulate on. I think so. What we thought we'd do is um, replay um, uh, an interview that went out under the radar a little bit on the official site just a couple of days ago, where Ray Simpson uh, caught up with David Johnson, and we've had David Johnson on this uh, program before, and I know what he has to say. When he speaks, it's always a good listen, and this is no exception. Uh, so Ray sat down with David just a couple of days ago, and uh, we'll let you listen to what David's end of year summary was on this season. David, the season's finished. We've uh, completed the season in 12th place, eight points below the playoffs. From a chief exec's point of view, what's your view of the playing season? 
Um, well, that's the, it's um, it's been a very interesting season. Um, it's the first time I've actually you know been chairman of a football club uh, for a start, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the the experience of it. Um, in terms of um, the season, it, it, it didn't um, pan out in the early part of the season how I expected it to be. I think I've said before at the forums I wasn't expecting to replace the management team so quickly. Um, but, you know, situations change and those, those circumstances came through and we had to secure new management, um, which obviously is a huge disruption to everyone at the football club from the, from the board, the sports group board, the playing staff, everybody associated with the football club. So that was a, a massive, massive um uh, upheaval that was bound to affect you know, the performance on the pitch um, but you know we've got a new management team in um, and I think uh, just looking at some of the statistics um, you know, I think you know, Martin's uh, first period in charge I think he came through with uh, an average points per game about 1.3 uh, 1.31 points per game um, then we had um, Phil and guys take over for three games there ended up with an average of 1.33 points per game and then Tommy over the end of the season has actually come through at a very similar ratio about 1.31 so you could argue that um, Phil and Gus had the best performance of the season in the three games they were in charge um, a lot uh, let that go to their heads too much um, I think the key thing I want to, want to focus on is you know huge change on the pitch management team gone coaching staff gone Changed in staff, lost players, have to find players, players who want to come, players with the right attitude, the right behaviour, the right commitment and understand what Darling Football Club is about. And Tommy's done a fantastic job in securing those. And I think, you know, we made good money on our transfers. That was important given the debt position. But also that um, the players we brought in, I think, if we imp- have improved the squad. Um, the stat I like to look at is what happened in our last 15 games. Um, we won seven, we drew five, we lost three. That's 26 points. That comes through at an average of 1.73 points per game. And that's when Tommy had his settled side in place. He had a new style of football in place. It takes time to do that. You know, we've become less more reliant on the long ball. Uh, we're playing you know, from the back, playing through the thirds, playing attractive football. And you know, if if you extrapolate the 1.73 points a game across a 42 game season, we end up with 73 points in fourth place. That is obviously the standard for me for next season. We must be in the playoffs. Um, I think with the settled squad we've got and some, you know, bringing some. Additions in to support where we need to, um, then I think we've got a great chance of um, of going there. So first, first uh, season in charge, uh, tremendously um, uh, exciting, um, has its highs and lows, but I'm very satisfied at where we've ended up at the end of the season. Ironically, um, given the way some of the sides stumbled towards the end of the season, if we'd won um, our three last home games against Boston and Eton and Southport, where we picked at one point out of a possible nine against teams that didn't qualify for the playoffs. We would have finished in a playoff spot, um, but to be honest, we're not ready. Um, you know, we've got to get the finances secured and stabilised off the field, and um, you know, I'll talk a bit about that later on. But uh, I think that um, you know, I'm very content for where we finished. Um, there's a lot going on, both on and off the field this season. But I'm sure that uh, we'll cover that in the next next set of questions. This is the time of year when all the numbers are crunched and we're all on Excel spreadsheets. And what if this happens? What if that happens? Without putting a figure on it, how much financial support can you give Tommy in the transfer market during the summer? Um, That's a good question. I think um, we have to give him support. uh, And also, there's a couple of things. First, I'd like to comment on the Boost the Budget scheme. You know, our plans are absolutely amazing. Um, Firstly, at... 
praise has got to go to um, the, the, the supporters group, Dalton uh, Football Club supporters group, Chris Stockdale, the chairman and their board. They've, they've been re-elected this year. I've got to say firstly that working with this board has been an absolute pleasure. Um, we now have very clear lines about who's doing what. Um, the board are getting more responsible and more involved in the day-to-day um, issues that affect the football club. And when we talked about books, the budget, um, we put forward a target of 60 because that was... 20,000 more than last year. You know, you heard me speak at the fans forum. I wanted 100k. Well, we came through at 85. Um, I think we're close to where I was than there were, but ultimately that's, you know, that's down to the fans. It's been an absolutely tremendous achievement. If we look back at last season, the fans, there was 179 supporters raised 41,000. That's, if you look at how many fans were attending the games last season, that's about 10% of the fans involved in contributing to a football club. This season, £86,000 has been raised by 419 supporters. That's 29% of our attending fans. That is pivotal. If you think about it, for for a final model to be successful, you can't have 10%, nor 29% of people being prepared to contribute to the the financial upkeep of a football club. Um, Obviously, people come to the turnstiles are contributing, but if we want to compete... We need more than 29%, but it's a huge, huge increase, 33% increase in, in the space of, uh, of a season. Um, and actually, it's more than that. That's the, I was talking there about the early bird season tickets, 33% increase in those. But the, the increase in boost the budget um, has been huge. You know, from one, 179 supporters to 419 supporters, going from 10% to 29%. I'd like to set up at 40 to 50% next year. That's the kind of level of involvement we need from the fans. More people contributing to the financial um, uh, income of the football club, which will give us the budget to compete at a higher level. But fantastic progress this year and full credit to the fans. £85,000 is huge. If I'm being honest, we're now working through the finances with um, Chris and I looking at the finances and John Temps looking at the finances in detail. And we've set um, some very realistic ambitions in terms of... um, what we expect from pre-season friendlies, what we expect from commercial income. And we've drawn a budget up that gives us a finite amount for playing budget. I don't want to put those figures out in the public um, domain because obviously competition can look at it, but also I don't want our fans when, you know, just thinking, why, what, what's the figure that's the level for without seeing the full P&L? Needless to say, we will set a challenging budget. We will set a realistic expectation, but we'll also set give Tommy the funds to compete. And now that fans are computing 80, 85,000, um, I was banking on 60 going in. There's additional 25,000 on top. We are readdressing that budget now. We'll come up with a figure that'll allow Tommy to bring some talent in. Obviously, players will move on as well, but we need to refresh the squad. We need to improve where we're weak. But Tommy will be able to go out and bring some players in and give the hopefully give the fans a very, very um, good squad that'll be able to complete and season a playoff place all season. It'll also help if home gates increase, won't it? Because uh, the average this season has been roughly about 1,500, which uh, I suppose is a little bit on the disappointing side, considering that uh, when we were at Heritage Park, we were hoping that gates would increase on the Heritage Park level. Instead, they've slightly decreased. Yeah, that's true. Gates have come down by a couple of hundred fans um, a week. That's that, that's huge. Um, one thing we will be doing next season is we're holding prices, uh, admission prices. Uh, I put them up £2 last year because I needed a quick way to bring income in because the club was on a very, very poor financial footing without that £2 coming in. I think we'd have been in difficulty. There's an argument that says if you got the 1700 in, would it offset the £2 increase? I needed guarantees so I could look at my P&L um, cash flow forecast and determine what we needed to do. 
Um, so prices will be held next year. I'd love to see the crowds around the 1700, 1800 mark. That makes a massive, massive difference to football clubs in terms of um, its cash flow and its profitability. Um, so hopefully with a, um, a team performing at the top end of the league, playing attractive football, we can get the 1700s, 1800s on an average day and the 2000s on good days. And once we get back to those levels, then the cash flow and the profitability becomes far more um, successful for the football club and gives us a much greater footing. Are you hoping that any new fans that come along in the pre-season friendlies will want to come back because during the season we've improved the fan experience by uh, erecting that uh, additional seat at stand? Well, that's, there's a couple of things I want to comment on that. First of all, I alluded to the um, early bird season tickets. You know, I think last year we, had, we sold 338, this year about 450. We're up 33%. Great, great, great progress in a year. That's you know fantastic. More and more fans putting forward for early birds. I think they can see what we're trying to do as a football club. There is a good vibe around the football club at the moment, and long may it continue. The more fans we're getting buying the early birds gets us cash through the door early on. It's a vital part of our cash flow for the season. That's one thing. But during the season, let's not forget. You know our fans invested and paid for a new stand. That's up. And that stand's going to be a fantastic part of match day experience. It takes our seated covering about six hundred covered seats now. And also, we'll have family areas in there. Um, there'll be you know, juniors come in for under under 11s getting free. There's all kinds of issues that we're trying to you know, open the club to a wider fan base. Um, you know, the, the forming of the Quaker Club this year, the schools involvement with Jeff Gill, the schools have been fantastic. That, that all needs to be done. Um, we need to, you know, we need to be getting crowds around 1,800 each week. You know, and then pushing on beyond that. But we also need to attract the next generation of fans to Darlington to, um, to start having you know, all the kids coming through and enjoying a pleasure master experience we've actually in this this season we've also taken on a sports liaison officer in dave collins again he's starting to look at things like catering match experience all that needs to be improved but across the park we're trying to improve the quality in everything we do it's also worthy of note to say that the fans have raised over 1.1 million pound in in six years it's it's an amazing performance really isn't it phenomenal phenomenal and that's why when i look at um this football club, that's why I joined this football club. Um, the latent potential of the football club. It's a football league club. We need to be back in there, but we need to do it sustainably with the right budgets, with the right control behind the board. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's a question of when we get back, um, not if we get back. And, and I'm working very, very hard to ensure that we get the revenue streams in that enables us to compete at the next level. And then once we're in the National League, how we get from the National League back into the football league. How important is the newly created academy going to be for the football club? That's huge. You know, I think you, if you look at um, across the footballing world, I mean, teams like Crew have done it successfully for years. I mean, you know, Dario Grady, etc. Um, identifying new talent, developing new talent. Look at Bury down the road. They've had a conveyor belt of talent come through, and players have gone on for millions of pounds. This is key for us. We need to identify that talent and ensure that when we identify the talent, nurture, develop, train that talent, that we can you know, then come on to play for the first team and hopefully. Yeah, go on beyond the first team. In Tommy, you, you see there's a manager who recognises the uh, and gives youth its potential. Um, we've got Mitchell Glover there now um, who signed his contract, which is great news. Mitchell um, played a full, um, full game down at um, at, at uh, Stockport last game of the season, uh, and I'm sure we'll see more of Mitchell. And you know, at 16 year old, playing you know this level of football is phenomenal, and it's a great advert for other youngsters looking on and saying, "Well, you know, we've actually brought on two two of the youngsters on Saturday. Unfortunately, the linesman did them out of their opportunity to actually kick a ball. But again, two young kids come out the pitch making their debut at Stockport County it was great for them. Great experience for the day for them. But that's if you think about it." 
yes, we'll identify players, yes, we'll develop them, and yes, we will sell them at the right price and with the funds going in the football club, we've got to continue doing it. It's the lifeblood of every club in the lower echelons of the football league and, and the leagues below. As a club, we're very good at doing some things. What sort of things do you think we can do better? Um, I think commercially we can do better. Um, you know, the, the, this is an area I'm disappointed in. Uh, we need greater, greater corporate involvement in Darling. You know, Darling's a town needs a successful football club, and we need to take that message to the business community. Um, simply put, we need more sponsors. I mean, EBAC have come on board this year. John and his team, John and his team are great um, sponsors for this football club, and delighted to be involved with them, particularly with their community-based ethics um, and, and charitable work. Um, but we need more. Uh, we need some more advertising boards. We need to... Um, we need more. We need better corporate hospitality. We need um, full coverage of match day and ball sponsors. We need bigger crowds. We need greater community involvement. Everything on the commercial front needs to drive more revenue. You know, I, I, I've been around some of the you know, other clubs in our league. Uh, they're nowhere near have the have the potential of Darlington Football Club, but they are doing better commercially in certain areas than we are. Um, that's something we've got to learn from. It's something we've got to address. And when budget permits, we're going to have to invest in someone who can deal with the commercial aspects of this football club and start driving the revenue. Finally, uh, from your point of view, what are the club's aims next season? Finishing the playoffs? Absolutely. Um, you know, we will give Tommy a budget to work with that he's that he's happy with and he and he's confident with. We've been in discussion with him for some time. We will give him the budget to compete with a squad that should be in the playoff positions. Um, come the end of the season, I'd like to think we're sitting there all season. You know, there's been nothing. I've been scared of nothing in this league, and there's been some big benefactors. You know, if you look at the you know the backers of Salford and Harrogate and and Brackley and others, you know they've got they've got money to burn. I tell you now, the last 15 games, I've been scared of nothing in this league. Anybody can beat anybody on their day, and we've got a squad with players, talented players with scoring goals, and you know, and, and, and our back four. Look at the age of our back four. You've got Luke, you know, Trotz is twenty, Percy's twenty, um, Josh twenty-one, um, Ben twenty-two, Tez a veteran at twenty-eight. Then you've got Dom and Brownie a little bit older, but you know, what's the, the, the average age of our back four has been about twenty-two year old in the last half dozen games, and we've been keeping clean sheets. Um, and we've got you know youth and experience in midfield. Um, I think we need strength in the front. I think we've alluded to that. Um, but we should be in definitely in the um, in the playoff positions all season through. Um, a little bit of time to settle down, but the team had a good pre-season. Obviously, heading out Eindhoven, great for the fans. I'm going out there. Hopefully, the fans will join the players on an evening. We'll have a few beers in in Eindhoven. Um, and um, you know some good pre-season friendlies. But the lads want to be come out of the blocks firing firing really quickly. Um, just an interesting point. I'm, I'm currently in negotiation with a couple of um, education authorities uh, around um, supporting us, a couple of universities to be honest, uh, supporting us in all aspects of the football club in terms of sports nutrition, sports science, um, injury rehabilitation, physiotherapy, uh, but also looking at other things such as hospitality, such as um, um, media support, such as um, digital marketing, such as uh, merchandising, everything across the piece. Um, a couple of universities have been involved with um, big football clubs before. Want to get involved with Darlington Football Club, so that might be interesting to watch in the future. Um, further meetings on that in the next few weeks. But if I can bring in help that costs us nothing, that can help us, you know, avoid paying costs out elsewhere, then fantastic. But also, it's more, it's more about continuing the development of, I want our players to be the fittest in that league. I want our players to have the quickest injury recovery. I want our players enjoying the football on the field. And when we start winning games and fans start coming back, it drives the great commercial revenue of the football club. So, yes, playoffs. Um, 
I know Tommy's desperate for a cup run. Um, I don't want a cup run. Every, every, I've said this season I want a cup run and we didn't get one. We haven't had one for five years, so I'm going negative this season. Let Tommy be the positive, but I'm going the other way. I don't want a cup run. Every time Tommy gets us through a round in the cup, I'll be telling him off. But no, seriously speaking, <laughs> cup run would be great. But ultimately, yeah, you know, we we haven't factored one in our budget figures. Um, we, we, we are budgeting prudently. Um, but uh, playoffs are an absolute must for us and it gives me another 12 months to work on all the issues around the sporting village and where our future is going to be and what the best commercial deal is for Darlington Football Club. So that was Chief Executive David Johnson catch up with Ray Simpson just after the end of the season and you get a sense, don't you, from that about the level of optimism and the level of stability that there is around the club at the moment, which is great. And Mike, just to think about where we've come and you mentioned earlier, boost the budget, season tickets up... Uh, what did you make of David Johnson's comments there? Uh, pretty positive appraisal of how the season's gone. I think very honest, very upfront about, you know, obviously can't go into specifics because you never know who's listening um, and we can't, you know, divulge actual numbers and things for, for very good reasons. But, you know, very honest about what the next season's going to approach, what his targets are, um, and very, he was obviously very pleased with the various sort of the fundraising stuff that we've done. We've got the stand in now, um, which improves the match day experience and obviously makes us playoff ready for when we achieve his target next season and actually get into them. Um, we've sold, I think we're probably going to be past 500 season tickets this season once the, the, the non-early bird ones get picked up. Uh, match day prices are held, boost the budget. You know, we asked for 80,000 and we ended up with 85,000, which is an absolutely phenomenal um, achievement by the supporters. I mean, every time I think we can't, you know, every time we put a target up and I'm sort of like, you know, there's two weeks to go or whatever. And we're, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen with fundraising campaigns. I back far too much stuff on Kickstarter, for example. So, you know, there's always a spike at the beginning, a spike at the end. But even to see it sort of hit 80,000 and then it's just like, why stop there? Let's just keep going, put another five grand on. We are just the best fans in the world. And I think, I think that came across in how appreciative he was of you know everything's just everything just feels like it's starting to come together on and off the pitch and it's it's going to make for a really good season next season and, and good to hear the the you can tell and he mentions it in the interview as well the close work and relationship that's developed through this season with the supporters group board because i think the supporters group board to complement the work with david and john tempest to do and as well have really um they're really doing great stuff i think this year. if you look at the underpinning that they've done for the booster budget for the infrastructure um, around the new seats and stand, around things like even things that impress me, like um, the the one pound discount if you pay in advance via mm. Apple Pay or the app and things like that. That's that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've got the, you know contactless payment on the way in now. All, you know, even little things like that that we bought in, it just takes away all of those little reasons people might not have for coming to games. You know, oh, I don't have any cash on me. Right, fine, boop your card on the way in, done. Oh, it's too expensive. Right, buy it in advance, you get a pound off. You know, even your season ticket, you can pay in three instalments now if you don't have the well, like 250 quid or however much it actually is now, pay in three instalments, you know. Under 11 is free with a paying adult. Also that as well. You know, people who don't come to games, frankly, are starting to run out of excuses. The one thing we have to do, perhaps, is we need to put those performances out on the pitch now. We're playing attractive football. We're playing good football now. If we're up at the top end of the table, I see no reason why people shouldn't start coming back. See, that, that's the issue, isn't it? The, the attendances have been down this season. As if I think it fifteen hundred. Yeah, or even less. But one two hundred down on the previous. Season. Yeah, I think we're average. the average of the year is one four. I think is that, is that right? Roughly, I think so. We few down on last year. I suspect or hope that those people will come back 
in August and try again, give down another go. Maybe those people walked away some, at some point in the middle of this season and said, oh, nothing to play for, maybe. I don't know what their excuse was, but some people walked away. Maybe they'll come back in August because Darlton are doing a lot of good initiatives, the season tickets and the prices and everything else. Um, so Darlton are doing their bit as a club. They're, they're meet, trying to meet the fans halfway. So now they need the fans of the town. Um, so, so a few of the lapsed fans to, to come back and give it a go and show their support for, for the team for the club hopefully yeah I agree with that and I think they've made good steps on that match day experience haven't we we talked about earlier in the season it wasn't always ideal it was still not ideal but it's much better than it was I think I know Dave Collins in his role as support liaison officers looking at things like the catering which sometimes gets a, you know, a, a fair critical press I think we've got extra seats for people to sit in now uh, I think they're trying to work on uh, on progress with the bars and things like that. So they're, they're sort of improving things slowly. And I guess the point I'm trying to labour here is you could have turned up a year ago and it probably wasn't a great experience in many ways. And, and if you turned up now, you're probably going to have a better day out, a better ex- experience. Even six months ago almost, you could say. You know, we weren't delivering on the pitch. The performances weren't great. We didn't have the new stand. Um, and now you look at, you know, what a turnaround it's been. So, I would say though that it's very important with all that we've we've had a lot of money come into the club this year and we want to make sure we don't that isn't lost. If we think of all the three players, the twenty grand and the booster budget, that's a lot of money that the, the board have now got, and we don't want to be losing that just paying off because with the because we've just the fans have dropped or whatever. We, it's a it's a bit important time for the board actually to be honest. I think the bo- I think the booster budget and the the increase in season ticket sales. You know, I think. David mentioned it when he was talking there, over 400 people. I mean, there was, there'll, there'll be the odd one or two in that number that were, at the later stages of it, able to donate again. Um, because at one point it was set up so that you could only donate once. So people were putting in their monthly pledge and that was all they could do. But then we set it up so that you could, if you had another 50 quid in your pocket, you could just go, right, I'll chuck that in as well as a one-off. But 400 people... They were over 400 people, once the duplicates are taken out... That's a lot um, of money that... ...is phenomenal. Yeah, that's not fifty. That's more. That's a lot of money that they're putting in. Mm. I, I think there's a. I don't know about you guys, but I think the the mentality is maybe changing a little bit more with Darlow fans. I think they're they're realising now that there isn't anybody else. Yeah, this is how a fan club is works. And you know, you, you've got to put your hand in your pocket um, if you want some. I mean, there's, there's there's two things which may sort of sum up where we are at the moment. One is to boost the budget. Like I say, I think people are finally sort of cottoning on the idea that. It's their club, it's you know, it's their ownership type thing. And there's the other one is there's a few people now who are volunteering for the club who a year ago weren't involved, you know, for for various whatever reasons. Uh that those people are now back involved in the club and I think it's starting to show now. Like you say, the season tickets, it's been much more advertised. The the stuff that's happening on a match day in terms of pain, you know. There's been a few key people in the background who are pushing those types of things who you know, weren't involved a year ago. Good. I mean, I think, you know, 1, 1,400, whatever it was, down on last year a little bit from the tennis point, we were in the relegation zone for part of it. And then we never really had the... It's almost like an apples and pears yeah. um, comparison with the season before, isn't it? We had a couple of big crowds. We had the opening day, we had the non-eaten game in that season ago that sort of inflated it a little bit. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens to those crowds next year if we can be in or around the playoffs. And David Johnson in his interview was, I think the language he used was, 
it would be great to have something like 1700 he's not saying we've got to break even at 1700 or 1800 yeah. he's saying it would be great if we could improve it to that and I think that's a different mentality as well which mm. gives me a sense that we're budgeting pragmatically and, and realistically as well I'm right in thinking he has had an interview that uh, they're not budgeting for a cup, cup run I think yeah. that's entirely sensible yeah. <laughs> nobody down should ever budget for a cup run because we don't get involved in these things it's just not for us it's for other clubs to play with yeah. that's not for us Absolutely. well we've got three we've got at least three derbies again who uh, you're you call them derbies. Derbies. Who's the third one? Blythe. 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 Yeah, maybe. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know you've not said it is, but it's a northeast yeah. game. They yeah. call them derbies. Yeah, yeah. Compensated with Hereford. I noticed they, they yeah. ended up in the north. Conference so who north. fell down from the conference? Chester, Geisley, Woking, and who have I forgotten? Oh, Chester would be good. I don't know. Edited in afterwards, mate. No, no. <laughs> good. So I think you know that, that that takes us on to that piece around next season, doesn't it? And how we're feeling about next season and, and what the expectations are. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. There you go. I'm looking at you, Mikey. I'm going to throw you right under the bus here. But what's your what's your par performance? What's your expectation for next season? Playoffs. Playoffs. Yep. I believe the squad we've got now, um, trimmed down though it has been, um, the core that remains with two or three good quality additions is going to be good enough to challenge for the playoffs next season um, you know we've got a couple of players maybe to move on before we can start bringing players in yes we've got a reduced budget compared to what we had last year even with the boost the budget efforts but I think the fact that twice as many people contributed twice as much money was raised is a sign of the fans belief in Tommy to invest that money wisely and put together a squad that's capable of challenging at the right end of the table for the majority of the season. Very good. Mike C? Yeah. On the spot, go on. Well, speaking to the players, they were a bit more cautious about staying into the playoffs, but eventually they would say the playoffs. I think I think as long as we can stay in the middle of the pack, I don't think we're going to go out burst out the doors. We're still a not a finished job. We don't know who the players are going to be next season. The guys that we've already got, it's there's still a lot of uh, evolving to be done. There's, there's a fantastic end to the season, but I, I think we've just got to be steady, uh, steady Eddie, to the because there's seven teams in that playoffs or six teams in the playoffs. I think we've got, we just need to sit and keep calm. We don't need to get overexcited if we're in the middle of the table in October. We're not going to win the league. Well, maybe we will win the league. I don't know, but it's uh, we've got to keep our feet on the ground. There's Mike, come on, give us an answer. What's the goal? We're aspiring to playoffs. Aspiring to playoffs. There we go. Good. We'll keep our feet on the ground and not get too excited. <laughs> yeah, Kev, go on. What do you in, think? In, in, in fairness to, to Mike, though, it is difficult to give too many predictions at the moment because we we haven't signed anybody yet. You don't know where the additions are going to be. Um, I mean. Uh, We've got that Jamie Vardy thing. I mean, you you don't know if anyone's going to move off the back of that. So it, it is difficult to say. I'd, I would like the playoffs. I would like the playoffs as long as we're there or thereabouts towards the end of the season. Because, like you say, we're seven. Is it seven teams now involved in the playoffs? Mm. Down the seventh, yes. Yeah, seventh. Second seventh. You know what? You you can sneak in there quite late on, can't you? All you've got to do is win three or four games towards the the tail end of the season, and you can. Sneak in there. Yeah, nobody wanted to finish seventh this season. No, did I know. They? It was very strange, wasn't it? Um, so, say as long, we'll like the playoffs if as long as we're there or thereabouts throughout the season to keep the interest going. 
and I would like a cup run at some point, please. I say every year, yes, <laughs> come on, let's have a cup run. Yeah. Good chat. Yeah, Given that usual standard in the cups, what actually constitutes a run? Is it is it just getting to the next round, or do we need winning to actually a you know, game. two or three? Right down this time, yeah, winning a game. I don't know what a run is. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard the term used, a cup run. But I'm not really familiar. I'm aware of it. But it's not um, something Darlington fans know yeah. much about. Cup right? jogs would do, wouldn't it? Or a yeah, amble, an amble, <laughs> But um, yeah, ultimately, in terms of the league, money talks. If you look at the top half of the division, the, the playoff teams, they've all either got a backer or they've got uh, high attendances or, or both, yeah. and. Um, Ultimately, well, down one of the best back teams in terms of attendances, that uh, get one among the highest crowds, fifth or sixth highest in the division. So, and Tommy's got eighty-six thousand pounds burning a hole in his back pocket as well in terms of money. The target was eighty, raised eighty-six, I think it was. So he's got six thousand to spend on the night out in Nightoven, which is canny. <laughs> so pay for a few social drinks and uh, maybe an evening in Amsterdam for the lads. I don't know. Um, ultimately, that money hopefully we put to good use and down and we should really be involved in the top seven well mm. the top ten throughout the duration of the season if or not something's gone wrong but as you say Kev with it being the top seven you can be involved you can't have a shout of being in the playoffs right to the very end I think it was only about two games three games to go that could have been relegated or got in the playoffs yeah, it was that's, ridiculous. yeah that's how ridiculous it was I don't know if that was a one-off or if that's going to be typical of this new system where it's top seven I, I don't know but yeah, we down should certainly be looking to be involved in in in, in the playoffs uh, picture, and we'll, we'll see what happens. It's only May. Yeah, it's, well, it's true. There's no well, if you think about it, there's no bankroll clubs next year. Uh, Professional wise, you don't know that yet because we haven't had the playoff final yet, have we? I mean, mm. how it could conceivably end up not going up, and then uh, to be honest, we out the the two teams who are playing the playoff final, it's um, Brackley and Harriers. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer to see how Go, to be honest with you, I know it's a local game and everything, but they're the sort of club who are just going to keep tossing money at it until until they get it right. Yeah, but that's an, uh, and that would mean another five thousand pounds. I was going to say, yeah, they're they're go up they're they're going to, yeah. got to give some of that money to us. Well, well, exactly. well, if we get this five grand, there will be yeah. <laughs> give it to me. Oh, the Geisley have got some money, I think, and uh, well, Chester are semi-pro, I think now. So, but there's no, but there's no insane team like a Salford that's just going to or a Fylde. There's none of that this next year, in theory. But you have got Daddy's money at, your, at Harrogate, which it's might a, it's a hard keep the money going. It York is still going to have a fairly competitive budget, I think, even if it has been reduced. I mean, they've already signed. That's been mentioned. I, I three games have played. Yeah, well, York have got they've so they've got they've cut their uh, youth team, so they've kept the budget or kept some of the budget. And obviously, well, he's just hanging outside Gateshead at the moment. So. Uh, I think we'll finish sixth. There you go. I'll just give it a straight answer to the May tenth, two thousand eighteen. We are we'll, doing we'll, we'll are doing the envelope thing at the first podcast yeah, of the yeah. new season. Definitely. What's the envelope thing? Um, we all write predictions for various things in on, on, uh, and then seal them in envelopes and open them on the last uh, last podcast of the season and oh, see okay, how wrong yeah, we all like were. That, yeah. I'm not sure how we'll make that work on the radio, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, give, it, we'll give it a go. That's true, yeah. <laughs> well, so we'll we'll Facebook Facebook I will confess I'm stealing that one from the football ramble <laughs> for anyone who listens to that. My well. hope for next season is never to see Michael Cansfield's shoes again. They're not shoes, they're Crocs. Crocs, I mean, well, there's another word we're going to see. <laughs> He's turned up tonight. Oh, dear me. <laughs> Please keep my feet nice and aerated. It's uh, 
It's very good. You've let your fans yeah. down. You've, <laughs> you've, you've, you've let yourself down, most importantly. I think there may be a photo going on social media. I don't know how many times that that they've been listening to me while I've been wearing them now. Mike, I was just about to wrap up there, but I think you had some numbers, didn't you, that you were going to throw into the pot for the, for the podcast, for the good of the order? Uh, yeah. Um, we have, uh, the last time I checked it earlier today, had 3,120 listens across the various episodes, plus the special that uh, Michael Cansfield did with Les McJanet, um, which is absolutely fantastic numbers. Awesome. Um, I think the most popular episode was episode one, which I think if you take the original SoundCloud and where we are now is about 870. Um, but the other episodes are all around the 400, 500 mark as well, which is just great numbers and we really appreciate the support. So Excellent. thank you to everyone who keeps tuning in. Yeah. So when am I getting paid then? <laughs> The same time we all do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can, you can. I tell you what, we'll, we'll have a profit share, Craig. You can be at the heart of it. <laughs> and we should thank for the Dialogue Fans Radio as well, because we're getting six, seven hundreds away from home, and the three, yeah. four hundreds at home. Yeah, exactly. I think we're almost. Uh, last season we did a hundred thousand listens. I think on on um, on the commentaries, and I think we're approaching a hundred thousand again this year. Maybe not quite there, but somewhere in that sort of order of magnitude. And obviously, listeners to both the podcast and the radio from all like every corner of the world as well and we appreciate yeah. the support because we like sitting here talking about Darlington we like going to the match and talking about Darlington but really it would be pretty pointless if, if nobody listened to it I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop another little statistic here before um, while we're on the subject of people from all over the world tuning in 10% of our podcast listeners are outside the UK there you go good to know so next yeah, time you download it think we're watching you wherever you are <laughs> we know where you are uh, but uh, no, great stuff, Mike. And certainly the plan is from us, I think, not that we've talked about this, but I think the plan is that we'll continue doing this next year. Dialo Fans Radio will be up and running again for the first game of the season. Uh, and the podcast will be up and running from August time as well. We might have a couple of months off. I don't think we're going to do an Eindhoven special, but we'll be back in, in August for, for more podcast. Thanks to those who did review, uh, drop us a review on either iTunes or other podcast apps, because we did get some. We got some five-star ratings, which gave us a big warm glow and a sense of satisfaction. So thanks for those and keep them coming. And uh, from my point of view, I'll just finish off with some thanks as well. So thanks first up to everyone here tonight, to Craig and to the two Mikes and to Kev and to all those others who've joined us on the podcasts through the season as well. Um, we've got many friends and supporters who are part of making this happen. Thanks to our friends here at the Forum for allowing us to use this increasingly warm recording studio this evening. Uh, and thanks to all those at Darling Football Club who've been part of the podcast, either by allowing us to interview them or by supporting us on their social media channels or through the official club channel as well. And I think, gents, unless I've forgotten something, that's about it for this season. I think it's a wrap, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening to us this far. We'll uh, we'll be back in August and we'll play you out with uh, the funky theme tune music as we always do. Bye-bye. <laughs>